0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 20 called That's Not Fair.
1: pretty easy when you can tell everybody else what's wrong with them, right? Then it comes back at you like, oh, how dare you? No, no, no. I'm the one giving the critiques here. See, if you're a critical person, watch out because when criticism comes back to you, my question is, how do you take it? These guys didn't take it well at all. They were insulted. Look at uh, Job 19. Look at verse 1. Job responded in the previous chapter to them, and he said, how long, Job 19.2, will you torment me and crush me with words? These 10 times you've insulted me, you're not ashamed to wrong me. Even if I truly erred, and I'm open to that possibility, Job might say, my error lodges with me. But it seems like this has become a very personal interaction between these guys and Job, almost like a fight for whose truth is actually true. And these guys cannot break with their system. They believe that if you do good, good will come back to you. And if you do evil, evil will come back to you. And that's the end of the story. And so Job, you have to be suffering because of some hidden evil that you have done. Just admit it and we'll pack our bags and go home. But Job won't admit it because he doesn't know what he's done wrong. I want you to flip all the way in your Bible to Matthew 15, Jesus had many interactions with the religious leadership of his day. Some of them actually ended up trusting in Jesus, but they were certainly not the many but the few, Matthew 15. And Jesus would have these interactions with them. And this is, uh, let's pick up the account in Matthew 15:4. Jesus is challenging them. And he said, for God said, Matthew 15, 4, honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever shall say to his father or mother, anything of mine you might have been helped by has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And thus, you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, Jesus says to them. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, far away from me. In vain do they worship me. That's A radical statement. Some people can allegedly worship God, but it can be vain or empty. Teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. And after he called the multitude to him, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what enters into the mouth defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth, this defiles the man. Then the disciples came and said to him, to Jesus, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? But Jesus answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father did not plant shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. You see, what the religious leadership wouldn't do, and I'm talking about the majority of them because a few of them became believers, is they wouldn't break from their tradition and their system to the word of God. Imagine what they saw. They saw Jesus, or at least secondhand, heard of his miracles. Let's go back to the book of Job. He answered all their questions, stumped them every time, did miracles, calmed the sea, raised Lazarus from the tomb, raised other people. What more did they need to believe in him? What kept the religious leadership from believing in Jesus? A couple of things: pride, protection of their positions and their nation. They said, if we let him go on like this, everybody will believe in him, and then we'll lose our spot and our influence. Never mind that the Word of God, truth embodied, truth incarnate, was standing in front of them, the Messiah that they said they were waiting for, yet they would not listen. Zophar goes on in Job 20, verse 4. He's speaking to Job. And certainly, we can't avoid the fact that he's applying this to Job, and he says, "He says, do you know this from old verse four, chapter twenty, from the establishment of of man on earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, keyword, and the joy of the godless momentary, short and momentary are words that you should highlight. Though his loftiness, that of the ungodly, or his height, ESV or pride, reaches the heavens, and his head touches the clouds." Uh, We'll talk about what happens to him in a moment. How many of you heard Greg Laurie's message today on his program? Greg Laurie was talking about a guy who uh, jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge to commit suicide. He was struggling with suicidal thoughts, and he was on a bus, and he was on the top of the Golden Gate Bridge, where I guess thousands of people have jumped to their death. And uh, a few people survive, but it's a very small percentage. It's a I don't know how many stories down. You're going 75 miles per hour when you hit the water, when you jump off that, that bridge. So he's contemplating suicide. And he said, if someone just asked me how I'm doing, ask me the question, I'll open up my entire heart to them. And I'll know that I shouldn't do this. So a lady stopped him, blonde lady, curly hair. And she stopped him. And he thought, oh, this is it. And she asked him actually to take her photograph. And will you take a picture for me was, was essentially what happened. So he's up on the bridge, ready to jump. And she wants photos taken. And he said she didn't just want photos. She was posing for like five minutes different. <laughs> you know? And he's clicking. He's like, I can't believe this is happening. I'm, a, I'm about to jump off this bridge. And this lady's posing for all these pictures. So he gives her the camera back. She never asked the question. And he leaps off the Golden Gate Bridge. He said when he hit the water, this is, there's a couple different versions out there. But when he hit the water. I think he broke his back, and he couldn't feel his legs. And of course, when you hit the water, you go way underneath, right? So now you have to find a way to get back to the surface with no legs, no operation of your legs. And so he's trying to get back to the surface because he's saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. He knew it was a mistake the moment he left the top of the bridge, right? And this is what he says to people contemplating suicide. Don't do it. There's hope for you. He hit the water somehow got himself up to the surface but was struggling you could imagine to keep himself up there and was crying out to the lord i don't want to die i don't want to die and he said he saw something dark circling below him and he thought it was a shark he said oh great here i am trying to survive this suicide attempt i want to live and then there's a shark that's going to eat me well whatever this thing was he said he started to try to punch it and it kept pushing him up to the surface pushing him up to the surface to breathe until the Coast Guard finally got there and saved him. He found out later that what was was pushing him up was not a shark, it was a sea lion. And the sea lion actually saved his life by continuing to push him to the surface so he could breathe. And Greg said, you know, you guys have heard the story of Jonah and the whale or the great fish? Well, this is a story about, I think his name is Kevin, Kevin and the sea lion. <laughs> Save me, God. And here comes this. And sea lions are cool, aren't they? They have a cute little face. And, and he was just pushing him up. So apparently God speaks both fish, whale, and sea lion. See, yeah, his name is Kevin Hines, if you want to look up the story. The higher you climb, oftentimes the harder you fall. The people get proud, and they almost feel like their heads in the clouds. Man, I got it all together. It's it's going on for me now, man. I'm bigger than life. And I've watched movie stars and professional athletes who have achieved great success. And I've seen uh, humility in their lives at the beginning. And then, have you guys noticed this? There's some people, and I'm not going to name names right now, but there's particular people, for example, in the NFL and other places that have become so prideful, they become prima donnas and they are shooting themselves in the foot, all their success has gone to their head. It's a real danger. It's something that we have to guard ourselves because whenever God may use us uh, to touch somebody else or maybe have success in business or whatever, we have to fight giving the glory to God. We, We have to fight not being prideful. See, this was part of the issue with the religious leaders. They couldn't humble themselves and admit that Jesus was the Messiah. You can see the emphasis on the the godless, wicked man, short, momentary. uh, Zophar is saying, this is an undeniable spiritual law. The happiness, joy, laughter of the wicked is short and momentary. In Genesis 11, the people tried to build a tower called the Tower of Babel that would reach up into the heavens, and God wanted them to disperse and spread out, but they said, no, we're going to come together and build, and we'll build a tower. And some people thought, some scholars believe they they built the tower to storm the gates of heaven as if they were going to try to take over. We'll build it high enough to reach the heavens. See, that's the mentality of man. That's the mentality, by the way, if you've heard the term humanism, humanism is all about man being the center of the universe. That man is, is the ultimate superhero and power of all time. Never mind God. God is dead or God needs to move aside because I guess he hasn't realized my greatness. And God sits in the heavens and laughs. But this is what man does. Now, as a believer, we could say, I'm afflicted, but not crushed. I'm perplexed, but not despairing. I'm persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul will say in 2 Corinthians 4, for momentary light affliction is producing for the believer an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Why we look not to the things which are seen, but to the things which are unseen. For the things that are seen are Temporary, temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. Now, you as a believer, you may suffer unjustly. You may have a health challenge at the moment. You, might, you may have uh, you know too many bills and you can't pay them or whatever is going on. Emotionally, you're hurting. But as a believer, I can know that the momentary light affliction is producing something for me, an eternal weight of glory. The unbeliever, godless man, woman, this is all you got. This is the best it's going to be.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
2: Hey, this is Pastor Shane Lance from Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. We want to thank you for listening to the program today. And we want to let you know that we have some new service times on Sunday morning. So we are going to go back to two services on Sunday mornings. One is going to be at 8.30 a.m. and the other is going to be at 10.30 a.m. So we pray that you'll join us for one of those services. I am the music director at the church and we are really excited to be able to worship through music. And we're going to worship as well through studying God's word. We're going to worship in spirit and in truth as the scripture commands us to do. So we're really excited. We pray that you'll join us for one of those services this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. We pray that you have a great week and we thank you for listening to Walk in Truth Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here. And on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844 48 Truth. That's walkintruth.com or call 844 48 Truth.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth. God
1: sits in the heavens and laughs. But this is what man does. Now, as a believer, we could say, I'm afflicted, but not crushed. I'm perplexed, but not despairing. I'm persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul will say in 2 Corinthians 4, for momentary light affliction is producing for the believer an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. Why we look not to the things which are seen, but to the things which are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. Now, you as a believer, you may suffer unjustly. You may have a health challenge at the moment. You might, you may have, uh, you know, too many bills and you can't pay them, or whatever is going on emotionally. You're hurting. But as a believer, I can know that the momentary light affliction is producing something for me, an eternal weight of glory. The unbeliever, godless man, woman, this is all you got. This is the best it's going to be. So you ought to get everything you can because human happiness is short-lived, terribly short-lived. You see, he, the wicked perishes forever, verse 7, like his refuse or his dung. Those who have seen him will say, where is he? He flies away like a dream. We often dream, you know, we dream every night, but we remember very few of our dreams. They cannot find him. Even like a vision of the night, he is chased away. The eye which saw him sees him no more, and his place no longer beholds him. I don't know if you guys have ever done this before, but if you were to do a search on how many famous people died in the last five years, you would be soberly shocked. You'll see picture after picture of people that you may not even know, they're gone. People you saw on movie shows years ago, uh, sitcoms, movies, or whatever, many of them are gone. It's over. The earthly existence that they had is no more. And it's amazing how quickly people will forget you. For those of you who follow sports, you know, you could be following a team that you like, and then someone will uh, give a highlight from 10, 15 years ago, and you go, oh, I remember that player. Because professional athletes don't always have long careers. It's the exception rather than the rule. If you're a running back in the NFL, what? You're lucky if you get maybe four or five years uh, of, you know? And so what we need to know about life is, is it can there's a brevity of life. It could be, it, it can fly by. He flies away. Look at verse 8, just like a dream. This is why Moses said in Psalm 90, verse 12, So teach us to number our days that we may present to to thee, O Lord, a heart of wisdom. Teach me to number my days. Make the most of every opportunity, brethren, because the days, they're evil. You don't know how much time you're going to have. Now, this is not meant to be morbid, but this is what Zophar is essentially saying to Job. He's saying, man, to me, the way it looks right now, you don't have long to live, bro. Bro. So you better fess up. You see, you only have so much time to live wisely. And it doesn't matter what age you are right now. There's many people sitting in this room right now that regret the years that they let go by without serving Jesus. And they could come up and tell you stories. So if you're younger right now, I would just tell you, the book of Ecclesiastes is written for you to honor your creator in the days of your youth, to not do stupid things just because you're young, you see, to heed the wisdom that's been left for you. He now moves to the wicked man's legacy. He will leave very little behind. Look at verse 10. His sons favor the poor. His hands give back his wealth. This There's a little tough to translate this, but here's a couple other versions. ESV verse 10 says, his children will seek the favor of the poor and his hands will give back everything his wealth and then the NIV renders this his children must make amends to the poor his own hands must give back his wealth now this is a picture of a godly wicked person who manipulated his way to get wealthy he ripped people off he took advantage of people he seized property he manipulated and he got he got the cash he he, he was like the tax collector of old like the little wee man who was up in the trees, at Zacchaeus, and Jesus came to his house, and he wanted to pay everybody back because he felt bad for what he had done. Well, this man, this is the legacy that he leaves. He, his kids either have to ask favor of the poor, like get money from the poor to live, or they have to make amends to the poor people that he ripped off. A sad legacy of a father. This weekend, this last weekend, we went up on a men's retreat. We had about 75 guys up in Running Springs, and we had a great time. Very powerful weekend, and in each session of the four, uh, different guys shared their testimonies. And it was amazing to me because each guy that went up there was a pretty strong, masculine guy with facial hair. Everybody had a beard who shared a testimony. And I'm talking about some, some pretty like buff, manly men. But in each case, when a dad came up, when a father figure came up, it wasn't good. And it, and it reminded me of the power of a father, either for negative or positive uh, consequences. If you didn't have a good situation with a dad, you know how you can reel from that your whole life. And I'm one of those guys. Uh, I really ever, never even knew my dad. And then my mom remarried, and her second husband was a bank robber <laughs> and got arrested at my house in an apartment with shaving cream on his face while I watched my second dad be hauled away. And then my third dad, um, stepdad, I'll just put it this way, it wasn't the Brady Bunch when they got married. And it was a blended household and it was, it was rough. But when each man went up there and shared their testimony, I'll have to, I have to tell you that the impact of not a great example from a father reverberated in their life. And you can see that in verse 10 here. And maybe that's you. I would just say that, you know, for guys that I've talked to, and this is true of my own story, that my my negative examples, plural, motivated me to be a good dad. And I wanted to be present. And I wanted to be faithful to my wife. And I wanted to be present in my children's lives. And God used that as a motivator. And I only learned how to be a man from watching other Christian men. I don't, I didn't know what it meant to be a man. I thought being a man was being strong in the gym or uh, sports, uh, you know, conquests or having a bunch of girls or a cool car or partying or whatever. I just didn't understand. You see, his bones, 11, are full of his youthful vigor. man. He looks so strong, but it lies down with him in the dust. If you've ever seen uh, the story of a person who dies at a young age, people will say he was so full of life. It's hard to imagine that a person like that was cut down in their prime only to lay in the dust next to a person that's also laying in the dust. If you've ever laid a loved one to rest or been at a a memorial service or a graveside, it's hard not to walk through a cemetery and start to look at dates. And for some of you, you may notice that the dates are getting closer and closer to your dates. In fact, sometimes you look at uh, gravestones and that person was born after you and you're like, hmm, right? And I've shared some stories with you guys that I've, I've presided over services where we had to lay a little baby to rest in a little tiny casket. And these bring up all kinds of questions about the problem of evil. Job lamented in Job 7.21 that, He would lie down in the dust. He thought his next stop was the grave. It wasn't, but that's how he felt. Though evil is sweet in his mouth, look at verse 12, the still speaking of the ungodly wicked man, and he hides it under his tongue. So evil now is uh, pictured here as almost like a sweet or a food. Though evil is sweet in his mouth, he hides it under his tongue, Though he desires it and will not let it go, he cannot bear to let it go. NIV, but holds it in his mouth. Have you guys ever watched those cop shows where they catch somebody? They're they're chasing somebody, and the person tries to swallow the drugs, and they'll put the drug, and the and the officer will say, "Do you have drugs in your mouth?" Right? And here, you know. It's like if you've ever been on a diet and you're trying not to eat carbs or sweets and there's cake at the office, my wife can do this really well. She'll say, just give me a taste of it and she'll taste the chocolate cake and swish it around in her mouth. Okay, I'm good. And I'm like, no, I'm not good with that. No, no, no. I want a slice of that cake, right? Then I might be good. Well, the evil person ingests, put this in quotes, the sweetness of sin and swishes it around in their mouth.
0: You've been listening to That's Not Fair, part two on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 20. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on the Apple Music app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And just a reminder, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events as well. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow on this station for the conclusion of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Job chapter 20 called, That's Not Fair. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.